Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name's Ellis Williams, and today we're going to continue our rookie deep dive segment. Last week I talked to Aaron McMahon, and Monday Nick Kelly and I spoke about Jordan Elliott and his time at Mizzou. Today I'm lucky enough to have Kobe Price of the Sun Sentinel talk FAU's Harrison Bryant. Kobe, thanks for coming on. How you doing, man? Man, I appreciate you having me. I'm doing pretty well. Can't complain at all. I hear that. Same over here. Uh, Kobe's another young brother out here making a name for himself quite quickly. He's held internships at Chicago Sun-Times and CBS before landing at the Sun-Sentinel. So before we get into Harrison Bryant, Kobe, uh, I just want to talk about your first year. You know, how was it? I, I can relate to uh, landing somewhere new and kind of getting thrown in the fire. So, so how was year one for you there, man? Man, it's been an experience, man. It's been an experience. This is I mean, it's kind of what I've always wanted for myself. Just that I've had the opportunity to cover – uh, a college program. Now I'm covering uh, MLS teams, something I never thought in my wildest dreams I'd be doing. So the first year, I mean, shoot, it doesn't even feel like it's been nine, eight months or long. It's been since uh, September 9th. It's, it's been a blast. It's been flying by too, not going to lie. Yeah, it does fly by, right? Like before you know it, like we just were talking off before we started recording, like September, and now we're already here and you've already done all that. It, it is crazy how quick this stuff goes. How's the MLS stuff going, man? That sounds intriguing. So they actually, we've been, they actually came back. Uh, so they start doing like individual practices. Okay. It's kind of, so they go, they have six practice fields, but they only really use three at a time. And they split the fields in the quadrants. And I mean, they're really the first ones that can actually start getting going with practices. But it's been a blast. I mean, my knowledge of soccer, I will admit, was a little more novice than football or basketball. Sure. The sports that are more popular in America. But I mean, I play soccer had a familiarity with it and I'm learning every single day. I'll watch clips. I'll watch old games. I'll, I mean, they've only played inter Miami's played two games, but I've watched those just, just to fill in this non-sports time, this non-live uh, sporting event time at least. I dig that, man. And honestly, a little jealous that you're able to go out and see some stuff. Uh, I'm covering the Browns here from my basement in Minnesota where I'm originally from and the NFL draft was all virtual. Uh, so I'm happy that you're able to get out and see some stuff, but Browns fans listening to this don't want to hear MS, MLS stuff. They want to hear <laughs> – No, they don't. Exactly. They want to hear Browns. They Harrison, the real Harry B. They worry about Harry B right there. Exactly, exactly. And, of course, that's why you're here right now. Um, and you landed uh, at the Sun Sentinel at a great time for Harrison Bryant's senior year. Uh, turned into a record-setting year, as we're going to get into for him. So let's start right there at the conclusion, and we'll work our way back. Uh, the conclusion of Harrison's season at FAU, as I said, historic. Uh, unanimous All-American, and then wins the John Mackey Award for the best tight end in football. Had never gone to a, a player not playing at a Power 5 school. 
So before we unpack all that, let's just start right at the end of his season there when he's basically accumulated all those awards. How high do you think his draft stock was at that point? Did, I mean, did you have feelings he could be a second, third round guy or was the tape always going to be what it was? How surprised were you at really him landing on every All-American first team you could name? No, so it's funny enough, uh, the Dolphins rider for here, he texted me in, the I want to say like mid-November, and he just texted me like, who's Harrison Bryant? Uh, I'm getting, like, I'm hearing, see, people are talking about him, people in the league are talking about him. Who is this guy? I was like, you know, that's the guy at FAU. He's like, I mean, he's having a great year. This was mid-November, so obviously the season hasn't been over, but it's close to it. Yeah. So at the time, I mean, his stock just started rising and rising as the year went on. And for me, I thought, I mean, second round, late second round seemed ambitious to me because I personally didn't think any tight ends were going to be taken uh, that early. Sure. Uh, but I thought he could have been easily been a third round. I thought he was going to be anywhere in the third round. Okay. Um, so I thought that was where he was going to land. To see him go, I think it was 115, early fourth round, I was like, okay. I, I saw some teams had him as late as – or some projections had him as late as, I think, like 130, 138. But – I thought he was going to be a third-round pick, and he dropped to early fourth, so I wasn't wasn't too surprised. But, I mean, his his stock, at least at, as soon as the season ends, he gets the Mac, John Mackey Award. It seems like it was at an all-time high. Before Senior Bowl, um, before right. the combine, it seemed like it, he was there. He could have been a third-round pick at that point. Yep, yep. I, I agree with a lot of that. And, honestly, uh, Browns coach Kevin Stefanski probably agreed with you, too. Um, after the draft pick, we were able to talk with him for a little bit, and – they, sound surpri- they sounded surprised he was still on the board. And when you break it down, he ends up being like the fifth or sixth tight end taken. It just, like you said, it was an odd draft for tight ends. Uh, I'm quickly going to read some of his, uh, just his senior stats. And uh, as we mentioned, he made basically every All-American team you could imagine. Uh, 65 Before you ball. do this, though, can Sorry. I make a point real quick? My bad. I'm going to make a point. Let's see this. I was surprised, too. I thought he was going to be one of the first or second tight ends taken. Okay. So when the Bears got their guy, I think that would have been the second round. I was like, oh, wow. I didn't expect the tight ends to be taken that early. So right. then I was thinking, all right, Harrison Bryant's going to be either the next one or the second next one. I, like, he came down to the sixth tight end, and I was shocked. I was even more shocked because I know it was reported that he had a meeting with the Patriots, and not only did they have two draft picks in the third round, but they took two tight ends in the third round uh, not taking Harrison. So that really surprised me from just knowing – Knowing his skill set and knowing what he could bring to a team and knowing where he's projected, that actually surprised me a lot. So let, let's actually stay there. I like that you went there. Um, the, really, you can connect the dots with this, and you already alluded to it. Uh, senior Bowl, post-combine, Harrison Bryant is a, stock is drops a bit after his performance numbers not so good. Slow 40, 473, weak bench press, 13 reps, which was 7th percentile. Uh, Two questions here. One, were you surprised he tested so poorly? And then second, do you think that explains why teams like the Patriots, uh, Packers are passing on him and all of a sudden he's the sixth tight end taken and falls into the Browns' lap? Uh, and I, I find pro, I found combines to be so weird, at least personally, yeah. because if you have one bad, like if you just wake up one day, you just don't feel it. Like we've all been there. We've all tried to work out one day and we're just like, man, today's just not my day. Right. One day. And to me, the strength thing, I know he's not the biggest guy, but he always seems to be, I mean, bigger. He has, I mean, broad shoulders, a bigger guy. Exactly. So that surprised me. The speed, not as much. Just watching him, I know, I mean, he's what, 6'5", 240, but he didn't right. seem like, even being that size, he didn't pop off the screen as the fastest guy to me. 
So I was more so surprised by the strength part of it as opposed to the, uh, the speed side of it. The speed, I was like, okay, the strength, I was like, huh. I thought he would have performed better in that aspect. Your second question, I think he was always going to be a third round at worst, early fourth round guy. So if anything, it probably moved the needle, but uh, just a little bit. They were probably some guys like, uh, he's an early third, uh, mid third, and now, oh, shoot, he's a late third early fourth but not like he didn't I don't think he went back around a whole entire round because of it yeah that makes a lot of sense probably and that kind of is just the game of projecting these rookies these prospects is usually when the season ends and how we feel about them ends up being how we they should be seen by the time we get to the draft but we spend all this time between January and late April dissecting these guys and really your gut is what we end up landing on anyway so with that being said, um, let's talk a little bit about his Ohio State game. Uh, when I watch it on tape, and one thing I thought was interesting that you just said there is his strength surprised you. Because when I watch him on tape, Kobe, he looks like a skinnier guy. Uh, but you covering him every day, it sounds like he has that frame to put on the weight. You mentioned his broad shoulders. You, is this a guy you could see putting on that NFL weight pretty easily? Uh, NFL way pretty easily. I mean, I don't think he's going to get too much bigger than he already is, to be honest with you. I think okay. with his size now, I mean, I've seen, like I said, I've only been here for a year, but I've seen pictures of him throughout the years, and I can tell he's bigger. Okay. He, he is. He has a more slender frame, but he is still has, like, a build that you can build on. But how much to build on? He's not going to be one of those guys that just puts on a bunch of pounds. He's not going to jump up, uh, what, 10 pounds, 15 pounds uh, between muscle and fat just easily. I think it would take a lot of work because he does have a more slender frame, but he does have like a size that you're like, huh, okay, we can work with that. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, back to the Ohio State game, uh, his stat line came out fine. You know, he's the crowned the best tight end in the college football for a reason. But when you watch that game, uh, he didn't start out too well. Early drop, he even admitted it on a conference call with us. He wasn't happy about how he started that game. And the scoreboard says what it says at the end of the day, you know, FAU versus Ohio State, that's probably going to end that way. But what I want to ask you is just simply, what were your takeaways from that performance, how he played specifically? And do you think that's the best game to watch of his when we're trying to project him at the pro level? See, I haven't, it's been a while since I watched that game, but all based off of memory, I remember that game being, that was just a rough game overall to start. Like all of FAU was just, it just seemed like a rough start for the entire team. And, I mean, he was part of it. That uh, uncharacteristic drop catch, it, it was uncharacteristic. It surprised me. I'm, I'm glad to hear it surprised him, too, from the conference call because that's just not him. Uh, numbers were fine, finished fine. And FAU, I mean, after, like, 10 minutes, they played better. But for him specifically, production-wise, that's kind of what you can expect from him, minus the drop catch that was just uncharacteristic. Um. But he will have better starts. I think it was just a weird day for the school, the team as a whole, just because you're playing against Ohio State, you're on national TV. You don't know what's going through their minds at that time. You can say, oh, it's just another game. But let's be honest, it's not just another game. Right. You're a mid-major school going up against a top blue blood, a top dog. I'm sure there were some nerves involved in it. So I, I, that's production-wise, yes, that's it. But expect a better start. Um, but I also have noticed that, Percentage-wise, based off the numbers, he is was at least from the top guys. I think his drop catches percentage was one of the higher ones from that top tier. Yeah, yeah, that that was what I was just going to ask you. Since we're on the topic of drops, I think he had eight last year as a senior. Uh, wasn't a problem 
junior and sophomore year. So maybe maybe we'll blame that on you, man. You show up, he starts dropping the football. <laughs> but, well, yeah, maybe it was me. It was maybe it was just a weird year. More targets. It's I mean, it's or just an aberration. I mean, it's one year in the mix of he had four. Yeah, because it wasn't his problem the other few years. So maybe it was just a year. I mean, he had that one drop was just uncharacteristic. It was just what the heck happened. So right. So you're not looking too much into his drops. He's a sure-handed receiver. That's yeah. It. I mean, his pass catching ability is next level. So I wasn't too concerned watching that. I mean, on the film, it just seemed next level. And like you said, I generally trust the film from the season because that's spanning what. Uh, three, four months as opposed to, uh, I mean, just that one game that he had. Or, I mean, I know the numbers say over the season was rough, but then it was also the three, four years he had as opposed to that one game or the one season. Yep. So you mentioned volume, and that's what I want to get to next. Uh, watching his tape, it's fascinating, and I just wrote about this. Uh, he lines up in the backfield as, you know, we'll call it an H-back type of thing, not a fullback where he's getting carries, but, you know, he's involved in the backfield at times. Uh, he lines up as a traditional tight end, of course. And then plenty of times in FAU's offense, he's split out wide as, you know, the number one wide receiver. Uh, he caught some back shoulder balls against Jeff Okuda, uh, which were impressive to me. So he's got a lot of natural receiving gifts. So first, let us let me ask you this. How much of he – was he the focal point of that offense this year? Because when I watch the tape, it looks like he is, but I'm also watching him. So was he the engine that's that got that offense going? And if so, does that – explain the drops and the the production because it just was all about him or was this a more balanced offense than the tape was showing me i think it's a more balanced offense than the tape will probably show because early on he didn't have i mean he didn't have a strong start to the season by his standard at least right uh, because teams were doubling him teams were keen in on him i mean people knew coming into game here's and brian's the top offensive uh player watch him so John Rain, the other tight end, he caught a bunch of passes. Uh, D'Angelo Antoine, he was getting a bunch of uh, – catching a bunch of passes, running some uh, jet sweeps. I mean, he wasn't the focal point until I want to say maybe like week four or five and things started opening up for him. So I didn't feel like they relied on him too much. Okay. As the season went on, I felt like he was getting more shine. But um, it, it was – he was definitely getting more, more reps as the season went on. So when you watched – take me back to when you're in those games in those moments and let's say it was a critical third down or a red zone situation where did you think Harrison was most effective like if FAU came out and lined them him up in the backfield as an h-back were you like okay this is a good spot for an operate did you love seeing him out wide against smaller dbs where do you think he's most effective both last season and then projecting him to the NFL I think he usually he would be more out wide against DB just because he has that size advantage. Maybe not like the biggest guy, but he still has that. He means six five, right. six five, solid frame, not big, but solid frame. So I like him against DBs. I like him against smaller players. Depending on your linebackers, I mean, you can have linebackers who are much shorter, but who are still quick and fast and they can push them around a little bit. But I did like him against guys who couldn't push them around as much. Okay, okay, that makes sense. We're gonna talk a little more about him on the field in a second but let's get more into the person I know you were only there for a year but still when you're you're seeing someone every day even just reading body language sideline stuff um that's stuff that I really appreciate and that you have access to so again he's a pro now let's start in the locker room what type of person slash competitor do you think the Cleveland Browns gained in the fourth round in Harrison Bryant just a solid person I mean and honestly out of all the players I've talked to uh, since I've been here for FAU at least he's probably one I've talked to the most uh, between draft and end of the season stuff and all that, he's just a really solid person. Polite, um, 
not salt means his voice. He's not like the most, he's not the loudest person. I'm sure you felt that right. uh, during conference calls, not the loudest person, but I mean, he's present. He's present. He's polite. He's just a solid person. And you just, honestly, he's the type of person to be like, he's a good hang. Yeah. That's the best way for me to describe him. He's just a good hang. Um, in terms of locker room, every teammate I've talked with, I spoke with uh, John Rain was one of his, his teammate and a roommate. And he raved about Harrison. The only thing, the only thing, I think it was him. It was him. He likes to put ketchup on steak. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And John, John would joke about that because uh, <laughs> he, John likes to cook and he likes to make steaks. And then he told me, man, the one thing I can't say about Harrison is that he likes to put ketchup on his steaks. I can make it like the best steak ever. He wants right. to go ruin it with ketchup. Man, and now he's got that NFL money so he can afford those top steaks. <laughs> he's still going to be putting ketchup on them. The ironic part was, like, for, like, three or four weeks straight, there was a ketchup bottle in the interview room. And we just going to make it, oh, there goes Harrison again, just leaving this ketchup everywhere. He's just a ketchup guy. I don't blame him. I'm a ketchup guy, too. Just not on steaks. Just not on steaks. I hear you, man. That's too funny. Once, once life gets back to normal here and we're able to be in locker rooms, wherever that may be, and just talk to these people in person, I'm going to have to ask him about that because I appreciate yeah. that. Nugget. We're going to have to keep going on that one. That just came to me now, too. That's the crazy part. I love it. I love it. Um, let's talk a little bit about his work ethic, and I'm not trying to put you in a corner and say, oh, I saw him slacking here, I saw him slacking there. Uh, but really just building up how he, you, you saw it, photos from him when he was younger to now he's naturally getting bigger. Uh, weight room, work ethic guy, lead by example. Who is he as a, as, a, as a worker? As a worker, I mean, he's just more of a lead by example guy to me. He's, and you can see it on the, when you see him off the field and on the field, he isn't the most rah-rah guy off the field. Uh, even off the field. But once he steps on the field, that's when the intensity comes out. He's not a yeller. He's not that guy. But when he's on the field, it's just it's just a different side of him that comes out. But in terms of the work ethic, I mean, he's told me stories. I've heard stories just about, man, he was putting in weight. He was just trying. There was one point in which, um, can't say why, but he was, he was just working out too much. And somebody had to tell him, man, you're not, you're not going to develop the muscle if uh, – if you keep working out, like, I mean, just doing the curls too much. So it was – that's just the kind of guy he is. He just works at it. I mean, think about it. He came into FAU as a, one of the lower-ranked prospects in his class. Right. He was like – I think I looked at it the other day. He was either the second or third lowest-ranked prospect in his class. Only played tied in one year. Yep. But he didn't have to research his freshman year. He went straight into playing, and since then he's just really built himself up all the way to what he is now. Now – the Cleveland Browns. I like that you went there. So unpacking his, his, his ascension, you know, a guy like Devin Singletary played there, scored a zillion touchdowns and wasn't even a unanimous all American. Uh, you know, Harrison Bryant makes history in that way. Can you speak just a bit about the legacy he has now left behind at FAU uh, for Browns fans who I'm assuming weren't following him when he was there doing all this? Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting, too, because I feel as if Motor, Motor uh, Devin Singletary, his legacy, I mean, I never covered him, right. but you always hear the stories, Motor this, Motor that, like his legacy just stays here, and other guys, too, not just Motor, but Harrison, I mean, maybe it's because it's a demeanor, maybe, I don't know what it is, but it was just like, and maybe it's because he, he rarely had, I mean, at least to me, he had probably two games this year that was like, whoa, to okay. me. But he was just steady. And that's the way I describe him. He's just a steady guy. He's just a steady worker, a steady player, a steady contributor. And even during the times in which the start of the season, when his numbers weren't exactly there, 
he was still there. You could still feel his presence. You could still see it because guys were doubling, just a steady presence. And that, I think that's going to be part of his legacy, just the steady work showing that you can go from uh, well, a three-star low prospect in your class and now you can become, I mean, a, the best offensive player, the best player, the most – I mean, the only drafted player from this class. Not to take anything away from anybody else, but you are the unanimous – first unanimous All-American in FAU history. Yep, yep. I think that's so well put, man. And, and Browns fans are going to love to hear that because they want people who are about their business, you know, put their head down and get that work, especially after the season the Browns has had with all that hype and comes back. Yeah. And really, that makes a lot of sense why Kevin Stefanski lands this guy. You know, he's going to – he's consistent. And that's all they're looking for out of that position. Quickly, before we get to uh, some other things, we've talked so much about him as a receiver. Um, your thoughts on him as a blocker? Uh, I know he was a, a, a lineman a senior year in high school, so I'm sure that helps. But just when he's put in those situations, how do you think he fares? Yeah, blocking, I think, I mean, it's, it's out there. He, his blocking needs to improve, is, he was a, and which is surprising to me because he was an offensive lineman throughout high school until becoming a tight end eventually. But I think he'll. I think he has the potential and the skill set to become a better blocker, especially in the run game. Yeah. And I think he'll eventually become that uh, with time. He just needs a little bit more practice. He needs to hone in on that a little bit more. The pass catching is there, so maybe he needs to just dial in a little more with the blocking. And I'm I'm sure he will. I don't think he'll ever be an excellent blocker. Um, like underrated blocker to me, who was excellent was Gronk. He'll never be that level blocker. He'll never be that big either to me. But he can become a solid blocker that you can depend on, that you don't have – he's not going to be a liability. Okay, good to know. Um, let's focus just right now on his rookie year. We'll, we'll project his career uh, towards the end. Um, for those listening who may not be aware, the Browns locker room, specifically the tight end room, is a little more full than your average place. Like I think of a guy like Thaddeus Moss who goes undrafted and signs with Washington. He enters a pretty uh, open – uh, thin tight end room, you know, no Jordan Reed, no more Vernon Davis. Moss is going to have an opportunity. Now you look at Harrison Bryant drafted in the fourth round, but of course the Browns go out and sign Austin Hooper, uh, David and Joku's options picked up. He would have been back anyway, but the Browns seem like they want to give him another chance. And then a, a rookie, Steven Carlson showed some flashes last year. And then even Farrell Brown's a capable blocker. It's a crowded room. Uh, they even got some fullbacks on the roster. So all of that considered, man, it might be a tough question because Lord knows he could get buried on this depth chart, but just simply, how do you see his rookie year playing out in Cleveland? He's going to, he'll need to improve the blocking to really carve out uh, a zone in there. Cause you do have, I mean, there are so many tight ends. The Browns have so many tight ends right now. And I think he brings the, the pass kitchen ability to help him get on the field, help open up opportunities. But if he can just tighten up the screws in terms of blocking, which to me, I'm not sure how he'll be able to do that before the season. Right. Like how much we'll be able to work at it because there's just so much going on. We don't know when guys can go out to practices or OC, like all that stuff that you can really improve on. But I think he can, I think he'll carve out a niche for himself. I mean, I know that the Browns like using multiple tight end sets. So it's, even though it's a crowded room, it still has opportunities for playing time. So I think it'll be solid, but I think he'll, I would expect this to be a. I mean, just like most rookies, a little, up, little up and down, more so because of the playing time, not because of production thing. Yeah, and he look. He's already, as you said, he's already proved himself as a guy who uh, is going to earn his role, not have it be expected. Or when he, coming out as a, a recruit, he's lower, lowly recruited, and then ends up having the career he had there. So he's used to carving out a name for himself. Uh, one thing I want to ask you about: 
and it's kind of a theme I've been doing with each of the guests I have on about these rookies. Again, you guys see them every day and just have way more insight than um, anyone else. So that's why this one's for you. Just a Harrison Bryant favorite memory or moment could be from the locker room, could be on field, anything. But when you look back on his career and, and the year that you covered him, what stands out or even what's the first thing you think about? Oh man. So there was a game and I was trying, I wish I wrote it down. There was a game this year. He had three catches for maybe like 93 yards or 90 something yards for three touchdowns. And there was one, I, mean, I think it was this game. And there was one where he broke like five blocks or four blocks in like the same sequence. Forget it wasn't UTSA. It might've been, man, I'm sure. Yeah, it wasn't UTSA. Cause I think that was the game he had 10 catches for like a hundred something yards. But yeah, it was one game. He broke like five blocks. It was later in the year. I was like, Whoa. And their guys was like bouncing off him and bounce, bounce, bounce. I was like, man, this guy's just staying. I mean, he just kept on moving, kept on moving. His legs kept on going. It was later in the season. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't remember the clip. I might have to just send it to you. But yeah, that was probably one of the more memorable. Like when I look back on the season, that's something that will always stick out to me. Just guys just bouncing off of him left and right. I was impressed. Yeah, I love hearing that because to me, that says so much more about a football player than what we're going to find out at their 40 time. So when you see that and then you see he runs 4-7-3, do you not really trip on it because you've seen what he does with the, the ball in his hands? I mean, his yak numbers are impressive. Yeah, I'm, I don't I'm, – maybe it's because of my, my disposition about the combine, but I'm not a humongous – like I trust the – I trust the larger samples. So, uh, I mean, whether it's the larger samples from a career or a season as opposed to the combine, like I said, we've all been there before. You wake up, you're a little tight, you're not feeling it, your energy's not there. Maybe maybe Harrison's a guy who could run a 4-6-3 instead of a 4-7-3. Would that make a huge difference? That, what, 0.1 second? Yeah. If you just felt better, is it's such a – it's such a small thing to me. I mean, it's important. Don't get me wrong. You can find things out from combine, but I will typically just go based off of what I watched in the games. And I think, honestly, the draft was better for it this year because there was less noise around it, less interviews in person, less like the small ticky tech things. You just go based off the film, watch this guy play. And I think in that regard, Harrison's film is some of the best that you could have gotten. I, I like that you said that about being able to run. Uh, I want to ask you about the pro day situation. Of course, every pro day uh, essentially non-existing this year uh, due to the situation we're in. Um, do you think, did you know if he was planning on doing some more stuff at his pro day? Would he have re-ran? And then simply, if you want to expand a little bit on the pl- FAU players that weren't able to have a pro day, what is life like for them right now? And how hard is that just in general? I know we're getting a little off the Brian topic, but I find that fascinating. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yes, Harrison and I actually did talk about that. Uh, and we talked about both of these things, matter of fact, okay. um, in the same conversation. So he was going to be at Pro Day. He actually been – and I put this in my story, I believe, that I wrote before the draft. He had been planning to stay down here leading up to the Pro Day. I think he was out in California for uh, the Senior Bowl. Um, and then he was going to stay down in Boca Raton. He's gonna, he was training at FAU at one point. And then when things started shutting down, that's when he went back up to Georgia where he's from. And that's where he started training. Um, but yeah, he was going to be down here for pro day. He was going to be here for pro day all the way through. He wasn't going to do a whole lot though. He was just going to go out, catch some balls, keep it light and not do, not do too much. Um, as opposed to the other guys. And he said, uh, spoke about this too. Harrison did. He said he felt for them the most than himself 
Because, I mean, he may not say it like this, but I can say it for him. He knows he's going to get drafted. He's not going to fall out the draft because he doesn't have a pro day. Right. So he know, or he just, and I'm not sure how much he would move up the draft if he had a pro day. I think his standing was pretty solid after the combine. Um, and, I mean, doing interviews too. But the other guys, like, I mean, some of them got signed, but like Rashad Smith, Brandon Walden, James Pierre, I, I felt for those guys because they could have, uh, they could have possibly moved into the draft. Who knows? We won't know. And yeah. they would have had a more active participation in things. So I, I'm I'm reaching out to the guys, just trying to see if I can nail things down. But I mean, with the ways things are looking, it's opportunity-wise, especially for late round draft picks or undrafted free agents, it's looking rough because that's usually in the rookie camps or the OTA. That's when you make your name. That's when you show the coaches, hey, this is what I can do that you may not have known about. Yeah, Kobe, I, uh, I think that's fascinating. And it's something that um, us as reporters, I think, need to keep an eye on. Just like the, the class that never was, you know, of these unsigned free agents and just the lower school guys, non-power guys who just are going to get lost in the shuffle here. I, I, it's, it's both uh, disappointing, but also, you know, interesting storytelling opportunities there. Um, go and ahead. It was, I was going to say, I wonder how much, I mean, it felt like as soon as the draft ended that night, Saturday night, Yeah. every single, like, national reporter – Person got signed with the teams. Like, I wonder how much that went into it, just because of the. It was just so quick. Like, did teams know, like, hey, we know you're not going to get drafted, but don't worry, because we can't draft you. We're going to sign you as an undrafted free agent. So, yeah. I wonder how much that played into it, just because everybody knows they're not doing anything. Right. I think you're, I think you're onto something there. But further, what you said, you already mentioned it. Like, with no even rookie mini camps, you know, that's a that's an opportunity for them to just be there and make a quick name for themselves too. So. Um, like everything it's it'll it's on hold and something to follow um before we get out of here i want to ask you two more things quickly uh again question i've been asking every reporter in this opportunity but again you guys are the ones uh to shine light on these new rookies is there anything about harrison that browns fans may not know i mean we've already said it all all american best tight end in college football award um you know where he projects yada yada but just is there a little nugget anything that we don't know yet about Harrison that you know, or, or was the ketchup on the steak uh, the, the one that the one that people should take away from here? I think that's the bit. That's the that's honestly the only nugget I can provide you with right now. That was the, that was the biggest nugget to me. When I, once I heard that nugget myself, I was like, man, that might have actually dropped him down the draft boards more than anything else. Right, I hear you. I was like, man, we can't take a guy who puts ketchup on steak. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm gonna like log off this and be thinking about that longer. Like, man, what? How do you yeah. rationalize that? As good stuff. And I hope Browns fans aren't aren't turned off by that and still believe in Harrison. We're not we're, no slander here. It's just hey, look. I mean, it helped him get this far. So why why change your ways now? Right, right. It's working. You're right. Don't switch that up. So, all right, Kobe. Let's wrap up with this. Uh, we already talked about how we think specifically his rookie season can play out. Um, I know you're not Nostradamus. If 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 we could predict this to a T, we probably would be doing uh, some different lines of work. But I do I do want to ask. Yeah, I hear you. But how do you how do you see his pro career playing out in Cleveland? And now I'm not asking you to say like, oh, he'll be a 10 year guy. But like, what's his ceiling? What can Harrison Bryant be in the NFL? He can be one. I mean, I know this comparison comes up uh, from analysts, from people who watch him, the George Kittle comparison. And being saying that he can be an all pro tight end is like that's the most generous one out there. But I truly do believe he can be one of these high-level, pass-catching tight ends who's a solid enough blocker, 
to uh, not, like I said, be solid, not be a liability, do well in that regard, and just be one of the guys who can catch. I mean, 60, 70 uh, passes a year, a lot of yards, good touchdowns, red zone threat. He can be one of these guys, be one of the guys who can also move the sticks in, be- uh, in between the 20s. Be one of those guys, too, that you can, you can target early on and late, too. So he can be a high-level pass catching tight end, solid blocker, who can have a very nice and long career. Browns fans are going to be happy to hear that, uh, especially if, you know, going in the fourth round, much like George Kittle. You know, those comparisons are there for a reason. You know, he's a later round draft pick, too, and look what he's done for himself. So, Kobe Price of the Sun Sentinel, I thank you for coming on, man. Um, Go out there, uh, go to those practices, enjoy yourself, and we're all hoping football will be back soon, right? For sure. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Take care.